Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is the Fray Podcast, brought to you by thefray.com, a place for women who want more from life. This is what I want. This is what I need. Welcome to today's podcast episode. This episode is a conversation with Sally O'Neill, and we're chatting about moderation and enjoyment and so many other things as well. So today's guest, as I said, is Sally O'Neill. Sally is a nutritionist, author, food stylist, and founder of the transformational app Status 8020. During our conversation, we talk about the most common struggles that women bring to Sally, the things that women get in touch with her and say, hey, Sally, I really, truly need your help with this. We chat about the battle of all or nothing thinking and how difficult it can be to find balance, but how it's really possible. And in fact, it's not just possible, it's essential. We chat about metabolic damage, flexible eating and reaching goals. We do touch on calories uh, in terms of just chatting briefly about whether all calories are created equally. So I wanted to flag that up top just in case you have any sensitivity around these sorts of areas in life, which I completely understand as someone who sometimes can. So if this is going to be triggering for you, this could be an episode to skip. I personally enjoyed Sally's philosophy and her bubbly outlook, and I think she brings so much value to the conversation. Now, Sally has also kindly included a discount code for our listeners, should they wish to, should you wish to sign up to Status 8020. So if you just pop Status 8020, the numbers 8020.com, into your browser, you will find more information there and you can use the code FRAY15 for a discount. You can also find Sally on Instagram under the Fit Foodie blog. I personally found Sally to have a really infectious, bubbly uh, attitude and outlook, and I enjoyed my time speaking with her. We also do have another episode coming soon with Sally as well. But let's get into our conversation with Sally. Oh, actually, one more quick reminder. Don't forget, we are holding our best life reset with a massive focus on this over on our Venti membership. So if you're not a member yet, but you love the podcast and you want all episodes ad free, including the two main episodes that go out weekly and your bonus ones, that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all episodes ad free, jump on over for the cost of one cup of coffee per month, you can support a creator, a team of female creators actually, and also feel really good about having no ads, no sponsorship and more content in those themed months. And let me tell you, 2023, we're all about really providing as much value as we possibly can. All right, that's the last you'll hear from me on that topic today. Let's get into my chat with the beautiful effervescent Sally O'Neill. 
Sally, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to have this conversation with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I think it's the perfect time of year to chit chat all about food and good habits, right? Absolutely. And as I just said to you before we hit record, I love your accent. So I'm just like, talk to me. I can't stand it. You know, it's like it actually embarrasses me because even when I go into stores still now, people will be like, oh, you're having a good holiday. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's been 12 years since I was in the UK. I'm having a great holiday. It's the longest one I've ever had. I love it. I love, love, love your accent. So (laughs) even more reasons that I'm excited (laughs) to chat with you. Now, before we dive into discussing balance and moderation and all that good stuff, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what it is that you do and how you work with your clients? Yeah, for sure. So I'm a clinical nutritionist. Um, I graduated about a year ago. I'm 36. I started quite late in my um, kind of career journey. Um, I produced a couple of cookbooks a couple of years ago and didn't want to be that person who was producing stuff and didn't have a qualification. So uh, quickly got a nutrition degree and um, finished that last year. And so now I have nutrition clients. I have a couple of clinic days a week. And I also coach ladies online through um, an app that just gone onto the app store, which is exciting. Amazing. And so did you always have like a real passion for healthy eating and movement? No, I was actually probably the world's worst <laughs> in terms of diet. Like I, th- I literally think I've swung in the absolute pendulum direction. So in the UK, I don't know if you've ever been Kylie, it is not the healthiest of environments for most people in terms of the food. Um, So I used to eat cereal. This is like while I was in uni, by the way, I have to caveat that. I went to do a business degree and I ate cereal, literally breakfast, lunch and dinner. But how good is cereal? Oh my God, it's amazing. (laughs) But A a handful of dry cereal has saved me many a time. Oh, it is a get out clause. However, (laughs) it's not that nutritious if you're having it three times a day. Um, And the the reason being was that like, I didn't want to use the shared kitchen. I was like, anything I can get out of a box, (laughs) I can eat it. I'm fine. So needless to say, I was at least an extra 10 kilos from where I am now. And I was not trained in the gym like I am doing um so I yeah I was a little bit fluffier so I had not the best kind of nutritional status on me didn't really care too much about body image or anything like that at like 18 19 20 um which is probably unusual now for girls of that age um and yeah I just I got into it because I actually obviously down the track long story short ended up coming to Australia and realize that you guys have incredibly fresh food and also not as many microwave meals or good cereal as the UK has. So I was like, right, I really need to learn to cook. Um, And I sent an email to my mom, like, literally, I'm going to die if you don't send me some recipes. Like, how do I cook chicken? I had no idea at 23 years old how to cook chicken. I'm so embarrassed about that. Um, And she was like, okay, just make sure it's not pink inside. And here's how to do a stir fry and a bolognese and off you go. And that was literally the instruction I received. So I did not die. Fortunately, I learned how to do a stir fry and a bolognese. However, um, mom used to put all sorts of like really random stuff in her recipes, very British, but like jam in bolognese apparently is a thing. Right. Um, because the sweetness brings out the flavor of the meat or something. So okay. 
Um, I basically cut all the rubbish out of the recipes that she'd sent to me. I'm like, oh, I don't need that. Oh, I don't have time for that. And it ended up, I ended up losing a lot of weight. Like I think I lost eight kilos in as many months and I wasn't actually trying, which was every woman's dream. It's like, this is amazing. I don't know what diet I'm doing, but it's fab. Um, and so I started sharing recipes online back home with what I thought was just my mom. And I didn't realize it was a public website because an ex-boyfriend set it up for me. And I was like, sure, I'll just send loads of recipes on this thing. Um, didn't realize it was public and it actually turned out to be a really popular blog which was the most random story the blog went popular a publisher found me I ended up doing two cookbooks then I shot a load of cookbooks for other people became a food photographer and stylist and um yeah I've got a million different hats so I still do that now I was in a shoot in first in Sydney last week doing restaurants and stuff so I kind of do a bit of everything I think that's so amazing and I think it's just another example of how often in life we set out thinking, oh, we're going to go down this one path and then life kind of takes you somewhere completely different. And you've obviously just kept following, kept following, kept following. And now look where you are. Just saying yes to every opportunity. I'm yeah. like, sure, I can learn that on Google. Like I literally learned photography and styling on the school of YouTube. So um, yeah, it, it, the diet didn't start well. It ended up turning around that it became my entire career and I ended up creating cookbooks and stuff which is super fun so I literally swung from bad diet to fairly great diet um, in the space of a few years and then turned it into my career. Incredible and so when you are working with clients what are the most common obstacles you see them facing over and over again because we all like to think that we're very unique but I'm sure there's some pretty consistent themes it's so funny you say that I get these intake forms and I always say to people like give yourself a good 30 minutes right because I don't like taking people's money and then sitting in a consult and just grilling them with questions about like health history and family history and all that stuff right like it just seems like a waste of cash so I always say like fill out this super intensive intake form and tick all these symptoms and whatnot and then I can tackle the whole person holistically and we'll see where you're at and I initially when I sent out this form to everybody I was like god I'm gonna get some really cool responses there's things in there like you know history of recreational drug use and what's your cycle doing and all fun stuff right so it's stuff that gets me excited um and literally pretty much I would say 80% of them come back and they're cookie cutter standard bloating, indigestion, um, got an extra two to five kilos on from where I would like to be, think my hormones are off and um, normally like heavy or zero periods. So like something going on with periods or perimenopause. So lots of hormone, lots of gut stuff, lots of weight loss and it's on repeat. And it seems to be that you get all three in some women, which is very tricky and sucks for them so we um we have quite a bit of work to do and is one of the first things that you look at their diet like you sit down you go okay tell me what you're eating day in day out yeah right because we've got this I think we've got this understanding and perhaps it's down to marketing and media that we can seek external things that are going to fix the problem when really we haven't looked at the baseline core kind of pillars of health, right, which is sleep, hydration, diet, social connection. And so when we actually pair it back and go, okay, like, let's just make sure that this foundation that you're building upon is solid before we take it to the next level and look at supplements and things. 
the amount of people, honestly, that can't drink two litres of water in a day. And I'm just like, so many problems will be solved by a free, simple tool that is at your disposal. And you know you need to do it, but you cannot get into the habit of doing it. And do you find that you have clients who just kind of fall off the wagon straight away because they are looking for that quick fix they want you to tell them okay what you need is to take these three supplements and your life's going to improve by a hundred percent but when you say to them okay actually you need to get into bed you need to put your phone down you need to drink the water you need to do those foundational things do you find that some of them kind of drop off because they're like oh that's not a very fun or exciting response Yeah, I mean, it's not a fun or exciting response. And I always caveat that, right? When I'm in a consult, I'll say, you're going to hate me, but... Back to basics. Yeah, please stop drinking fizzy water when you're bloated, right? And things like that. So I'll, I'll run through like, here's your basics. And then once we've nailed that, here's the trajectory of your treatment plan and where I would like to get you in two weeks, four weeks, et cetera, to try and keep them motivated. Like once we've ticked off the baseline, let's then move forward. And this is how I foresee treatment going. Um, and whether we do, you know, gut testing, hormone testing, whether we can look at prescribing um, practitioner-only products and things like that, because that's the juice that they want, right? But I can't give that to them straight away if we haven't covered off the basics. So I'll tell them a plan to keep them engaged. And the other trick that I have, <laughs> everyone should listen out for this just in case they've got a coach or anything, is that I um, I get them to suggest the change, but I lead them into it. So I'll say, right, so you're leading, you actually say drinking um, a litre of water a day. Do you think that would give you optimal mental clarity and the ability to flush out toxins? And normally they'll be like, hmm, no, I can see your point. And they're like, cool. So at this phase in your life, with the access you've got, with the career that you've got and so on, what is a realistic increase on that that you can achieve for me next week? And they set the target. So it's like this psychological flip of rather than me just saying, you've got to do this, they're making the commitment and they're making the decision on what that commitment is. So they've got control. And that often leads to like more adherence. If someone's just going to tell you to do something, chances are you're just going to be like, yeah, sure, cheers, thanks, and like never do it. Yeah, or maybe do it for a week and then be like, eh, right. it didn't work. Yeah, exactly that. And do you find after making some of these foundational changes that you go through with your clients, sometimes things like, oh, I've got this extreme bloating that I need a diagnosis for, or I've got hormonal issues and you know, I'm, I'm really in a bad place. Do you find that a lot of that actually clears up? just Absolutely. by focusing on the foundations. Absolutely. I would honestly, people don't want to hear this, do they? It's really boring to say that all the all the normal stuff works. But honestly, um, I would probably estimate at like 60 to 70% of clients who I get on a really good like morning routine, social connection, morning sunshine, meditation, stress reduction, all that kind of stuff, right? Like whatever that looks like for them. Um, and then eating a diet that has got a... I wouldn't say a significant amount of protein, a normal amount of protein, because that is what everybody lacks, particularly the women I see just cannot get enough protein in or have no idea how much they're consuming. And it's always like significantly lower than what it should be. So once we sorted that out, that sorts out the hunger, the hormones that like 
it it makes such a big difference with sleep and so many things that one small change can impact a wide variety of existing symptoms. So that's why we have to baseline everything and go, right, well, now we've got all that covered. What's actually going on in your body? And do we still have these symptoms left to tackle? Otherwise, we're treating something that you're constantly kind of um, making worse without really knowing it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why do you think it is, Sally, that so many women struggle with choosing protein for their meals? Like I was just kind of having a bit of a think then as you were chatting and I was thinking, is it something to do with the fact that like as women, it's really pushed to us to eat like lighter foods, like fruit or have your cereal, have your just right, stay in shape, eat lightly, whereas for men, it's like, oh, men need meat. But often I think that like, I'm just reflecting on my own kind of food beliefs growing up. It was all like, oh, women should eat more lightly in terms of, yeah, reaching for the cereals or reaching for the fruits. Like, is that why? Yeah, I I probably think so. Like, I got the same message as a child, right? We used to get, (laughs) this is wild. There used to be a diet in the UK. You guys have special K cereal here, yeah? Oh, yeah. And we had the ad with the lady's beautiful calf that turned into the red K. Oh, like, yeah. It was very feminine. Oh, we had like this whole thing in the UK that was pushed on ads and it was like two bowls of special K a day and you'll lose five kilos in five weeks. Oh, must right. be all the fiber in it. <laughs> so you replaced lunch and a solid breakfast with like 30 grams of processed rubbish cereal and like obviously we're skipping out on veg and fruit and all the yummy stuff that you could actually be having in that moment and then just had some like milk and and yeah you're gonna lose weight like yeah I wonder why because you're not consuming enough calories it's just a caloric deficit doesn't matter how you which way you slice it right but like that kind of stuff was marketed to me salads you know like don't eat too much fat don't eat too much this and yeah meat again particularly red meat feels very much like a caveman kind of vibe I think paleo Pete kind of added to that noise as well um god love him so I think yeah it's just it's just been like a more of a media push but again that's something really common that I see in women is that everybody's bloody low on iron because they're not eating red meat which is fine but we just need to find an alternative path because the amount of people that come to me with low energy and go oh come two o'clock I'm pooped I can't like I can barely get out away from my desk it's like, right, well, let's have a look at your bloods. Right, anemia, straight off the bat. And how much red meat are you eating? Oh, well, I don't eat red meat. Right, cool. So where are you getting your iron stores from? Don't know. Don't know. Like, cool. Yeah, okay. not, so, not getting them. Right, so it's like, do we supplement? Can we look at, you know, plant-based sources? Where else can we get it from? And that's the... I think that's again down to marketing and kind of the the um, age that we were like were brought up in, right? Where it was like women need to be slender and whatnot. Whereas now it feels like women can be strong and powerful and lift in the gym, and hopefully that protein message is getting out across to women as well. Um, but it's still certainly in the group of ladies that I see, which tend to be between like thirty and fifty age range. 
it's just a thing where nobody eats enough protein. Yeah, across the board. Across the board, across the board. So I sit with them and I'm like, right, cool, let's go over your diet. What would you eat on a normal breakfast? So say for you, Kylie, what have you had for brekkie this morning before our combo? I've had a banana with peanut butter. Cool. How much protein's in that? Uh, not a lot. Maybe yeah. like four grams in the peanut butter, do you reckon? Yeah, depending on yeah. if you've had a lot of peanut butter, sure. Mm, that's a big banana. Okay, so yeah, four grams of protein, right? But yeah. in a day, um, you're I'm just looking at you and your frame, you're needing excess of 100 grams of protein, right? Um, probably no more than 120 though. So if we take that and we split it up across a day, say most people have five feedings a day, right? So three mains, two snacks. And then we split that, you know, say 100 grams of protein up. You at least want to be having, say, 25 grams at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then like 50, 10 to 15 grams at snacks. So already you're 25, 20 grams down where you should be, right? Mm. You compound that over a week, that is a lot of missed protein. Yeah, you'd end up missing like a full day at least. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and I will say just for myself, I've noticed since my partner moved in in July, he eats a lot of meat and he'll always have meat cooked in the fridge. So I will, like after we finish here, I'll go and have some meat with salad when we have lunch. And then I have meat again at dinner. But before he moved in, I wouldn't. Like the most meat I would have is maybe salmon, maybe, maybe a tin of tuna a day. Sure. And since he's moved in, I feel like my whole shape has changed again and it changes all the time. But just even just having this conversation, because I haven't really reflected on, oh, what's going on? But like just in speaking to you and going like, oh, yeah, my protein intake has significantly increased since he's been living here. And I think that's really helped with my energy and mood as well. Yeah, absolutely. It will have done, honey. Yeah, absolutely. And it can help with sleep, you know. Um, It's used for so many processes. I think women have got this like really false understanding of protein that it's only there to build muscle, but it's used in so many biological processes in the body. And one of those things is like bone density as well. So we know like as women, as we age, we're at much higher risk of falls and hip fractures and things like that, right? Because of our estrogen and the fact that that drops off and um and then we end up with brittle bones right so it's really really important as much as possible for us to get some strength training in a few times a week at least so we can build up bone density but then support that and back it up with protein intake and if we're not doing that you're not going to head into your later years in the best shape possible which is what we all want right like i want a good quality of life when i'm you know old and not able to have botox anymore (laughs) yeah longevity and vitality Absolutely. I want that quality of life where I can look after myself. I can stand up. I can walk to my kitchen when I'm 90 years old and not need a Zimmer frame, you know? So I think that's, um, that's part of my driver of kind of health is like the longevity piece of things as well, rather than aesthetic. And I imagine as well as the across the board protein deficit, I imagine you probably hear from a lot of people about moderation, like it's kind of that all or nothing, like, Sally, I'm starting this diet on Monday and I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to train for two hours a day and I'm going to eat this, but then they go so hard that it's not sustainable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the amount of times people come and say, uh, oh, so I started this juice cleanse last week and you know, I've fallen off the bandwagon and I'm just really annoyed at myself. The, like the frustration and the anger and the disappointment on self 
is so intense and it just sets it so um it's such a terrible way of setting yourself back on a health journey right of just being like i if i just do this for a week or if i just do this for six weeks i'll lose those kilos and i'll be happy right and i can say as someone who's been on the high end of having you know additional weight and then on the low end of being orthorexic and the other end of the scale I've been kind of on the whole spectrum of restriction and overeating and whatnot. And it is, it doesn't matter how thin you get, you do not increase your happiness. It just doesn't work like that. We get dopamine from pursuit. So if you're constantly in pursuit of something as a human, you will feel um, kind of worthy and engaged and like vital. If you're not in pursuit of anything, then you probably won't, right? And so that's why we're constantly seeking the next thing. Because we think if we just jump on this program or if we just jump on this next thing. But what I try to teach is you can jump on any program you want as long as you can stick to it for the long term. And if it's just a six-week thing or it's just a you know two-week thing and it's not sustainable, what are you actually learning from it for your ongoing future self? Because realistically, it's not teaching you anything. And it seems like there's a real morality attached to food. Like you're good if you're in the pursuit. You're good if you're reaching goals. You're good if you're restricting, if you're sticking to something perfectly. But you're bad if you fall off the wagon or if you're eating foods that you've classified, that you've deemed to be bad foods. It seems like we really put certain... Um, certain ways of eating or ways of being on this pedestal and it's almost empirical like oh I'm going to do a juice cleanse and then I'll be so light and so great and so pure it's like you won't you're just going to be very hungry yeah absolutely and it still contains calories you know juice contains calories just like normal food just like donuts contain calories one's packed with more nutrition than another granted but it still has it can have an equal amount of energy if you get a donut versus six shakes and go how much sugar's in one or the other probably the six juices has more sugar than a crispy cream like truly so when you when you actually break things down and you understand the science behind food what people deem unhealthy or bad which as you were saying that label is not great for mental health when you deem a food as bad it generally speaking is just not what you would consider a nutritious food but what's actually like in terms of whether it's actually bad for your health in a small amount realistically is pretty impossible right so take the krispy kreme example is it bad for you? Well, when you break it down, okay, so it's fried dough and some sugar, which is flour and sugar. There's probably not a lot of protein. It's probably pretty high in fat and it's probably pretty high in carbs. Cool. It's got, say, 500 calories in. You take an acai bowl that is packed with nutrients, right? Antioxidants and polyphenols and stuff like that. But the sugar and the calories in that could be more, but that is deemed good. Now, this weird idea that, you know, one food is bad and one is good. Okay, you're not going to feel great if 100% of the time you eat non-nutritious Krispy Kremes. But you also aren't going to feel good if you constantly eat too many calories, even if they're what you deem good calories. Mm -hmm. So it's this fine balance, right, of saying I'm on a spectrum of 
like nutritious and non-nutritious foods, where does this food sit on that spectrum? It's not good and bad. It's nutritious or it's non-nutritious and everywhere in between on that spectrum. And if with that knowledge, how frequently should I be eating this to feel good? Am I going to get the vitamins and minerals I need if I eat a lot of this and I eat it regularly? Yes or no, right? And if it's yes, consume it frequently. If it's no, then have it in moderation. And that's literally this—that's literally how we need to approach food, in my opinion. I think we'd all have better mental health around, you know, having a glass of wine and having some chocolate and actually understanding that 200 calories from chocolate is 200 calories from apples, you know. It's the same energy intake. One is just more nutritious than another. Yes, And I have had a massive shift personally just in this last year in terms of defining what health means to me because I've had a similar uh, checkered past, like it sounds like you have as well, with all sorts of eating disorders and being up and being down and gaining and losing and restricting and da-da-da-da-da. That's a whole other episode. But just recently this year, like I'm 35, and when I was thinking about my values and I was going through this values exercise, and I'm like, health is a big value to me, but health for this version of me, 35-year-old Kylie, means vitality. And vitality to me means eating out. It means having the occasional alcoholic drink. It means having an ice cream with the kids. Whereas health to Kylie 10 years ago, in another place, like health was counting every calorie, being very restricted, only eating non-processed foods. And like actually just finding that definition for myself has been a real inroad into moderation. Whereas in the past it was like, you know, foot completely on the throttle or completely off. Whereas going, huh, what is health to me? That's allowed me to go, oh, that means I need to have moderation to reach that goal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, as you were saying, it's a journey that I've been on as well. And it's probably something that everybody needs to go through as a woman, right? Like, unless you do a nutrition degree early on, and you get the message and you understand it, or you were brought up in a household where moderation was always promoted, which, to be honest, again, wasn't my era, then it's, it's very tricky to get to that message at an early age and start to adopt it in an era where we have constant access to bodybuilders and ridiculously lean people and like these genetic freaks on Instagram that have the biggest followings and the most interesting lives and that's what we're and also photoshop exactly right exactly and that's what we're exposed to and the amount of people I see who I used to look up to it sounds terrible I used to look up to on social media like my god she's got the best ass and like the best abs and all this kind of stuff And then I realized that they're on PEDs, like performance enhancing drugs, to shed body fat and to grow muscle. And actually, the voice has changed. And, you know, they've now got a bigger Adam's apple and they've been using testosterone or Winistrol or Anavar. And it's part of the industry that they're in. Is it healthy for your body? Hell no. Are they a picture of health? Hell no. Is it like, is it um, achievable for the average woman to look like that? Absolutely not. And so I think my, in time, my perception of health has changed drastically to the point where I can almost see through what on the kind of front cover of things looks like really good health, but it's actually um, the opposite. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just know myself as well, having read like Oxygen magazine growing up religiously, like through my teens and early 20s, you know, I would put these women on a pedestal and I'm thinking of a couple in particular. And, you know, I just thought they were the epitome of health. 
and then I would follow them on Instagram. And five, 10 years later, they're on Instagram confessing how unhealthy and how miserable they were at those photo shoots that I was like, oh, if only I could look like that. You know, five years, 10 years later, they're talking about how disordered their eating was, about the sort of supplements and steroids and whatnot that they were abusing at the time. And yeah, it's just so important that when we look at an image or a video on social media, we just take it for a snapshot of time, not necessarily a, a definition of health or put that person on this pedestal of being something incredible. Yeah, and that and like absolutely, that's not to take away from the people who do work incredibly hard, who train all the time and like they eat a balanced diet and they sleep well and they do all the right things, right? Like all power to them. But do I think that is a fair representation for most women who can maybe train four days a week, who maybe get, you know, 50 to 60 percent of the meals in fairly nutritious. The rest of it's like on the run, on the go. What can I grab? I've skipped a meal. I've got something from a convenience store. That average woman looking up to, you know, 20 year olds with ripped abs that are on performance enhancing drugs and they're never going to be satisfied, right? Because they're just, they're just not in that same situation. And hormones have a lot to account for, and so does age. So I think that's another thing that we make the mistake of, is really like looking up to people who have completely different genetic and hormonal status from us at the time and going, oh, why don't I look like that? I'm not good enough. Um, and, and that drives this good and bad dichotomy to come back to that right of like you know well I don't eat good enough or I'm um, not good enough in the gym or I've been bad because I didn't get my steps in or whatever that guilt looks like um, and so my message that I try to push to a lot of women and certainly on like social media and things is realistically on that spectrum 80% of the time is good enough for nutritious foods in fact that's a stretch for most people and 20% of the time you give yourself a hall pass to eat whatever the hell you want now, that is still significantly head and shoulders above the rest of the population, I can guarantee, in terms of a healthy approach to food. And it also just gets rid of the head noise, right, of like, oh, my God, this is bad. I shouldn't be having this. I need to portion control, blah, blah, blah. But when you allow foods, it's kind of like the supply and demand of the housing market, right? Like when you allow something or there's a lot of supply of something, the value of it is driven down. So say I say to myself, oh, I can have six bars of lint if I want them. Right. But because I had lint yesterday and the day before and the day before that and I had a couple of squares, the value of it to me is so like not interesting that I probably wouldn't eat all six bars. I might have another two pieces and go, you know what, I can have some more tomorrow. That's cool. And you get rid of that binge restrict cycle by exposing yourself to it and allowing things in your diet, which is my definition of balance. Yes, because that all or nothing thinking that leads to binging, it's like the, oh, okay, tomorrow I start fresh, so I need to eat all of the rubbish in the house today. Whereas right. when you are going 80-20, you're like, oh, I'm going to eat mostly well, but if I want to have a brownie with afternoon tea, I'm just going to have that one brownie and then move on with my day because I can have another one tomorrow or I might not have another one tomorrow because I'm more in tune with what I'm eating, with what my intake is. Absolutely. And when you take that across a week, right, say you've had everyone's been there, you've had a binge day, right? And you've just been like, all bets are off. I'm eating the whole bag of M&Ms and then some, right? Cool. And that's fine, right? But the guilt that comes with it and the restriction that comes with that and the, you know, feeling bad about eating an extra tub of ice cream and whatnot is horrible. And we've all been there. But when you, if you can try and negate that by allowing small amounts, you know, every day or like giving yourself the option to without guilt, 
when you look at what you would consume in a binge, so say it's an extra 3,000 calories in a day, whereas if you allowed yourself something every day by, say, one or 200 calories, at the end of the week, that doesn't even come close to one binge day. So you're much more likely to hit your goals eating 80-20 than you are clean and having like a bingey cheat day or whatever people like to call it. Um, And it just breeds that consistency and good habit formation, right, as well. So when you are working with clients and you're crafting their treatment plans, is that something that you tell them that they should do, that you recommend, or that perhaps you maybe ask them and get them to give you the answer, but say like, is there a sort of a special food that you want to have each and every day or a time of day that you might be more inclined to grab the muffin with the coffee or whatever it is? Yeah, absolutely. So that's exactly what happens. I'll go through and say, talk to me about a normal day, right? And honestly, again, probably 80% of women, bit of stretch in the truth normally when they you know recall what a normal diet is but it'd be like right well I'm 20 kilos overweight but I actually eat one egg and a piece of toast for breakfast and then sometimes I'll have a coffee and like cool is it with milk or sugar yeah it's with full cream and four sugars like cool so that's not what I would consider a normal coffee but that's cool and then uh gets to I don't snack I'm not a snacker and then it gets to lunchtime and they're like I've just had a salad forget to tell me that they've had like three gallons of dressing on there and then in the afternoon oh I just had a protein ball but the protein ball was like a homemade one it's just nut butter and then dinner time comes around and they've had something else and it's all cooked in in butter or loads of olive oil and they're not realizing that they're adding all these extra calories in and then it gets late and they'll be like I've been good all day I had a protein ball I had eggs I had a salad and I had some steak and veggies for dinner right which is pretty much what they've had But then they're like, oh, I've been good. I'll treat myself. I'll have a glass of wine and a bowl of something like ice cream or whatever that is because they can allow the treat, which then leads into this thinking of like, oh, well, I've had a bit now, so I'm just going to have it all. So then we end up like at nighttime, stress reduction technique of just consistently eating rubbish in volume rather than saying, okay, let's just like really trim out the fat for want of a better word of like what's going on in the day. And then if your treat time is at night, let's say we're going to build in a bar of dairy milk. I'm fine with that. Let's do it every other night. And then on the other nights in between, can we do like a protein chocolate mousse or a mug cake or something like that? So it's like trying to negotiate that and say, you know, you don't have to get rid of the stuff that you love. You don't have to at all. We can include a glass of wine. We can include your chocolate, all good. And we can do it every day. And I want you to do it every day because I want you to teach your body that it's not scarce however if we're going to do it every day it needs to be moderately controlled and we need to look at the rest of the diet you know like where are we getting extra cows that maybe we don't actually even know are there is it sauce is it butter is it dressings is it stuff that you're just like not really paying attention to that you probably wouldn't miss right if the goal is weight loss obviously and you mentioned there about your body feeling like things are scarce Is that something you see often, like, is this a thing where people will come to you and they've dieted down in the past, maybe they've done it on and off for the last 15 years, and it's like they actually can't reach their goals because their metabolic rate is so low that you have to then, like, kind of reverse diet them up? Is that the terminology? Yeah, that's the exact terminology, my girl. That's awesome. Um, So, yes, it's interesting. The science basically says that if you eat a big meal, your metabolism will um, kind of 
increase to in terms of thermogenesis, right? So you will produce more heat, which is why when people say they get meat sweats after Christmas, it's because they've eaten more food, right? But that's basically like your metabolism revving up. So you eat a big meal, your metabolism um, will rev up way above your normal baseline to process that food. In reverse relationship, if you don't eat regularly, your metabolism will slow down and it's been proven by science, right? So you're not digesting at the same rate. You're not breaking food down at the same rate. However, that's not a fixed thing. So you don't, like for me, who was orthorexic, I under ate for, I think, a period of about eight months. I was really lucky that I managed to get through it as quickly as I did. Um, But post that, yes, when I put on weight, it was distributed in a strange way. Like I found it all sat around my stomach and whatnot. That wasn't because I had a broken metabolism or that it wasn't working or anything like that. It was my body trying to protect my vital organs, which are all sat around your stomach cavity, right? And that's where you put fat on as a protective mechanism. I had something like 13% body fat, which for, as a woman is dangerously low. I had no periods and whatnot. So of course, body prioritizes putting fat on there. It doesn't mean that my metabolism's broken. It means it's taking on a protective mechanism. And your metabolism, depending on how much you eat, will always adapt to that meal. So it's not like once I've eaten low calorie, I'm always going to be in a pickle with my metabolism. That's not actually how biology works, thankfully. So once I had kind of got through that period of putting weight back on and then it distributed itself, um, I have a very normal metabolism now. Like there's no long lasting damage in terms of the rate at which I can metabolize food or the way that I store it or anything like that. Yeah, so fascinating. I could just talk to you for hours and you and I are actually going to kick off part two where we get stuck into your healthy habits and the things that you believe are so imperative to living our best lives. But before we do that, where can our listeners connect with you? I know that your social media pages, you have two, they're both incredible, so informative to have in the feed, but where else can we soak you up? Thank you, love. Um, yeah, so at the Fit Foodie blog is my personal kind of education platform. Status 8020 is my coaching platform where, again, there's lots of nutrition education and that 8020 message all on there if you want to dive deeper. Um, I also have a couple of websites. I have a nutrition website, which is sallyoneal.com. And um, if you just Google the Fit Foodie, you'll see cookbooks and all sorts of stuff on Amazon and whatnot as well. Amazing. I'll make sure we have all of those details in the show notes. But Sally, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge today. Thank you. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you going to make a move? Are you going to come and see? Whatever you want to do, you know what's cool with me.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.